Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is... Are, Are these books <laughs> I'm trying to make it different. <laughs> you succeeded. Thank you. Well, that face. <laughs> I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Yeah. Happy 50th episode, ladies. Woo! We did yes. it. How that is wild. It is wild. This month, we'll be reading the New York Times bestseller and GMA book club pick, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Where does the time go, ladies? I mean, last week we had a ball during our bonus episode, and now it's August. Yeah. But last week, seriously, talking about and gabbing about TJR's juicy stories, that was a wild ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> TJR. Yeah. <laughs> we admitted our own betrayals divulged our expectations for marriage, and came up with alternative endings to evidence of the affair. It Mm. definitely got hot in our VO boots. Yes, it did. (laughs) Enough about that. As for this moist mid-afternoon, what are you all savoring? okay. Okay. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) Okay. Mm. Let's talk about things we're putting in our mouths now. (laughs) I just got really sweaty all of a sudden. You are in the weirdest today. I just have to say, Emma, you're in the weirdest. (laughs) All right. Today's cocktail has a pretty depressing but pretty appropriate (laughs) name for this book. Today's cocktail pairing is called Death in the Afternoon. Woo! You might have heard of this classic drink that was invented by Ernest Hemingway. Oh. The name itself is pretty spot on for this novel, but it's also green, like the colors of Nora's Midnight Library. Oh, I love that. Cute, eh? Super cute. Before we bring our bartender in here, Mommy Mariana, what mocktail will you be sipping while we're drinking some death in the afternoon? (laughs) I'll be enjoying a birth in the afternoon. (laughs) Which is totally appropriate for in more ways than one for me. (laughs) So make sure to check us out at Are These Books Drunk on our Insta page for the full recipe. Yeah. And here to share the recipe for this old-time cocktail is our old and timeless oh, bartender. No. <laughs> He's younger than me. Yeah. I was like, hmm. Uh, Ricardo. <laughs> Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. Come on out, abuelo. <laughs> <laughs> he might be a little slower to come out today. He's so old. <laughs> Ciao, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Oh, so Great. good. How are you? Good. Hot. Very hot. Oh, Warm. yes. Yeah. But it's fine. There. Summer. Let's get a drink. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> Let's gonna have a fun drink in this afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the cocktail of today is called Death in the Afternoon. Oh, oh. okay. Very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Very appropriate, and this cocktail is gonna be drink. 
uh, out of a very chilled champagne glass. So mm-hmm. first oh. thing first, That's let's put the champagne glass into the fridge or into yeah, the freezer okay. if you can. And then let's start, let's talk about the cocktail. So the cocktail is gonna be a green cocktail, another appropriate thing for the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a classic cocktail and it's been named after the Hemingway novel, That in the Afternoon. He was saying like, yeah, pour just a jigger of uh, um, absinthe into a champagne glass and uh, drink three, four, five of them very slowly during the afternoon. Oh my <laughs> God. So that's, that's definitely something that I want, I wouldn't recommend to have three or five. Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, it could be, it could be a mystical experience. As but, I sip my coffee. <laughs> but I don't think that any doctor would recommend it yeah, as like, you know, a, a very okay. tasteful medicine, but mm. not the, probably, probably not the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a very easy recipe because the, it's just absinthe champagne. Uh, super important is that the glass is, su- is super chilled because otherwise after a few sips it's gonna be very hard to get over this cocktail. And we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna see a change of the flavor profile in the absinthe. Mm-hmm. So this cocktail calls for an ounce and a half of absinthe in, and uh, four ounces and a half of champagne. Mm. So it's a long drink. Yeah. Uh, just alcohol. Uh, just the, how Brandy likes it. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. No straw. <laughs> no straw because it's a champagne glass, Brandy. No, please. Right, right. Uh, you're going to see a difference, consistency in the solution, the final solution, because the aromatic compound in the absinthe are gonna dissolve way easier into uh, alcoholic substance than in water. So mm-hmm. it's gonna change the flavor profile of the absinthe and it's gonna even change a little bit of the texture. So it's not for oh. the bubble of the champagne, so it's not because it's carbonated, but it's because the alcohol itself is changing and mixing with the absinthe in a different way than water would, would do. So if you want to do a try, you can pour, uh, you can try to pour uh, sparkling water with absinthe oh. and you're going to see that the color, the consistency and the, and the flavor profile of the absinthe is not going to be changed as much with water than it's going to be changed oh. with alcohol. So that's the interesting part about this mm. very ancient cocktail. Mm. The flavor of the of the absinthe is so potent. Like yes. it's it tastes so much stronger than I was prepared for when I took my first. <laughs> yeah. And Caught you by surprise. <laughs> ideally <Yeah. laughs> let's use champagne instead of prosecco. Oh. Other than the fact that, you know, the, vin- the vinification process is completely different in Champagne and Prosecco, but the buttery taste of the Champagne and the fine perlage of the Champagne is way more enjoyable than the, uh. the bubble that we can find oh. in Prosecco that are usually a little bit bigger and a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have that brute taste mm. into the in, in the prosecco that is completely different into champagne. So even if I'm Italian and I'm always 
trying to promote Prosecco. In this case, <laughs> let's stick with the recipe and let's go for champagne. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. This is definitely something We're... I'm going to drink once I pop out my pepe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not three or five of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's stay with like an even number. Let's say two. Brandy, is it okay to? <laughs> two, four, two, four, you know, six, whatever. You know, whatever works. Th those are all <laughs> even numbers. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, alla vostra salute. Enjoy your death in the afternoon. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. We will. <laughs> thank you, Ciao, Bye. Bye. All right, women. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Salute. Mariana, your birth in the afternoon really looks like our death in the afternoon. I know, it does. About to it say. looks exactly Same like color. it. It's very similar, yeah. yeah. Well, does it taste like fur? <laughs> <laughs> well, the seats on the bottom look a little... <gasps> like little Well, ants. and that's crazy because her last name is Seed, right? <gasps> Isn't her name Nora Seeds? Oh, oh yeah. my God. Whoa. Whoa. That wasn't even planned. Whoa. We just realized that in this moment. Whoa. No, yeah, we planned that. That <laughs> was totally planned. I did that on. We did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's yeah. quite tasty, kiwi. I like it. You know, I had not really ever had kiwi before. The last cocktail that we had was it not the last, but like you know, a few cocktails ago, we had the drink yeah. that had the muddled kiwi. Mm -hmm. So refreshing yeah. and delicious. Yeah. You mean you hadn't had kiwi in a drink or like kiwi I had never had ingested. kiwi. Yeah, I had never what? eaten kiwi. I know. I don't know how I, I don't know. That's crazy. It's yeah. very good. It's uh, very fibrous. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're missing fiber oh. in your diet, eat a kiwi. Go. <laughs> or drink Mariana's birth in the, yeah. <laughs> drink a birth in the afternoon and maybe you'll have a birth later. Oh, okay. that's mm. too far. It's too far. <laughs> You say I'm the weird one today. Yeah. It's rubbing off. <laughs> I love this drink so much. Yeah. I love this drink maybe a little too much, actually. I can tell. Did you make two? I already feel... No, I only oh. made one. But I'm already feeling a little tipsy, and I'm already regretting that I only made one. I'm like, Ugh. oh, yeah, I could you just You can't have regrets it's appropriate now, for not this for novel. this book. Oh, my God. God, you're already right. having regrets. All right, that's Take it. it away. Let's, let's get in it. Let's get in it. This week, we meet Nora hours before her suicide, and we watch as she slowly loses the last bit of hope, the last few connections tethering her to this world. She gets let go from her job. She finds out her brother came to town but didn't get in touch with her. Her once best friend doesn't bother to return her texts. The elderly man down the hall informs her that he no longer needs her to get him his medicine. And after she forgets to turn up for their piano lesson, her student's mother informs her that they'll no longer be taking lessons. Her beloved cat Voltaire's death is the final straw. She overdoses and comes to in the Midnight Library, where a version of Mrs. Elm, her school librarian, informs her that this place houses all of the many versions of her life, all of the possible outcomes of what might have been if she had made different choices. And as Nora reviews her many regrets from the life she just left, she decides to try out a different version, a version where she might have been happy. <sighs> 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 
Y'all, I'm loving this book. I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> I am too, but I'm also depressed as fuck reading this book. That's that I feel sad. Are you not are you guys not sad reading this? I mean, it's beautiful. Yes, and it's beautifully written, but I'm I feel sad. Uh, there were moments, but there's more, I think there's more of a light at the end of the tunnel with this. Like I see what she's going through, but I feel like there's a sense of semblance, mm. a sense of hope that I can see happening. Yeah. So it's not depressing for me. I'm I'm actually really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm not getting the depressed thing either. It's funny because even as I was writing my little intro segment there to to describe the chapters we read, I was realizing how like sad it sounds. But as written, I'm actually just finding it like a really delightful little escape into like this story or something. Like it doesn't feel heavy to me. Hmm. It, There's something of it almost feels like getting whisked away to Hogwarts or something. You know what I mean? Going to this midnight library. <laughs> you know, there was a point that I was thinking of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that's yeah. very good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because both my husband and my mother in law started to read it Andrew finished it and it was in his cup mm. of tea he still oh. thought it was an enjoyable read but it wasn't one of his favorites not for him not okay. for him and then my mother-in-law read maybe the first few chapters and stopped reading it because I think wow. she thought it was so depressing it was too heavy for mm-hmm. her wow wow I mean I feel like I see where he's going with this I think that it is I think it's supposed to make you hopeful about living in the moment and about maybe when you do die feeling like you could come back with different choices and I th- I think it is supposed to be light and hopeful but I'm also I'm having a hard time I guess giving into that because the realist in me or maybe the pessimist in me kind of feels like this isn't going to happen for us. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with Ricardo not that long ago after, and I brought this book up on this podcast, Many Lives, Many Masters, yeah, yeah, about yeah. reincarnation. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was talking to him about that and saying how fascinating I thought it was. And he expressed to me, which is the first time I've heard his opinion on this, that he doesn't believe in that because he thinks that that's what people tell ourselves to make death less scary. Mm. And that being like, reincarnation? Yeah, or the fact that yeah. you get multiple lives, that you get to try over, you know? Uh-huh. He's like, I think that people tell themselves that to make death less scary. Mm-hmm. And that terrified me. Mm. And I and I also thought that there was some truth in that. And I guess, I don't know, yeah. that's, that's where my head was mostly when I was reading this. I can see that. I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I was thinking to myself that I would love to experience what she's, what Nora's experiencing, still being alive. Like just walking into mm, this yeah. midnight library, not being in between death and your life, but being being still alive and having the opportunity or the possibility of going back and seeing how things would be different if you were making mm-hmm. other choices. Right. At times of regret or at times of you questioning, you know, what was next. Right. Well, I guess, yes, the thought has definitely occurred to me before what Ricardo's saying of like, you know, reincarnation is just another form of like, I always think that when people turn to religion or something, that's a way to comfort ourselves about death 
two or like the afterlife to yeah. religion. And right. so reincarnation could be another form of the same thing. But to me, I'm also just like, so what? If that makes it more palatable and that lets me live my life more freely than I would if I was fearing death all the time. Right. I'm good with that. And I right. kind of wonder if that's what Nora's going through a little bit, too, because we saw her get to experience her first alternate life mm-hmm. in these chapters. And she realizes that life wasn't going to be right either. That no. life was uh-huh. not going to. She's having regrets about having left that guy. But that life wouldn't have been for her either. Mm-hmm. So if realizing that gives her the freedom to live more in the moment and more in the present now, great. But I'm also so curious if this is a commentary on suicide. Like, this is why you shouldn't commit suicide. Because right now, some right. It's, ma- it's reading to me also a little bit like young adult fiction. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm imagining the like target audience for this and I'm imagining young people that do contemplate that and then maybe read this book and think that they want to make another choice. But I'm really curious to see where that's going to go in the book because she has already overdosed and it's right. not like she's dead, I guess, but it's also these alternate lives that she's going to go back and play out, it's not like she's going there to live in them permanently. Or is that the intention, that if she did go back and choose a life with a different choice and she liked it, could she stay as a living person? Was that did was that clear for you both? Well, I think Mrs. Elm did make the point of saying that sometimes the only way to learn is to live. So in a way, she's telling her, like, you have to live through these experiences because the fear was so overwhelming enough. It's like a lesson that we all need to learn. That fear was overtaking her life, so she wasn't actually living her life anymore. So going back to these other lives and maybe staying in one of these lives that she ends up choosing and actually living them and being present, that's the way that she should have lived since the beginning, since her life started, which she hadn't. And interestingly, if none of these other lives work out, if none of them are what she was hoping for, and she does return to her, the life where she just overdosed, it'll be the only life that she doesn't know the outcome of. It'll be the Mm -hmm. only actual adventure left, which is interesting because that's exactly the life we're all already living in. Like, we're living the life that we don't know the outcome of, Mm. and that's... That's such an exciting thing. You know what I mean? That's full of so many possibilities. Whereas before she had this experience, she saw it as completely shut down as opposed to starting fresh and having the world completely open to her. And it's such a huge lesson to also learn that going back to the what if, what a life, what a life would have been like with Dan and then seeing it play out Mm-hmm. where she was inevitably totally disappointed. It also shows right. her and it shows us as the reader that when you're questioning something in the moment and you make a decision, a lot of times your instincts are right. The gut decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even if you think, well, what if this would have played out, what it would have been like, but if you really think about it, if it did play out, you would have ultimately been disappointed in the right. long run. Yeah. But to what your question was, Emma, I think all that Mrs. Elm has said is if she if Nora goes into one of these lives and experiences deep disappointment, 
she'll return to the Midnight Library. Right. So it seems like if she's satisfied with one of these lives, she would just she potentially could, could keep stay. living it. I think that's the impression I'm under, though it hasn't been explicitly said. Yeah. It feels kind of like Soul. Oh, oh my God! You watch Soul, right? Yeah. Soul. Like a chance oh to God. be somewhere else and look at look at that life on that proverbial <laughs> Earth living planet. <laughs> And then do you choose to go back? I mean, that movie also devastated me. It, it I think devastated me. I, I, I'm seeing it a theme so here. Good. <laughs> me. It so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also similar to Many Lives, Many Masters, too, where mm-hmm. she's um, she's in hypnosis and is able to review her past lives, which is, I mean, it's different because obviously she can't just go back and relive those. But in some ways, she kind of is. Well, it also really reminds me of one of my favorite plays, Our Town. Do you know Our Town? You've brought Our Town up before. You love Our Town. Have I? You have. When we read The Vanishing Half, you were like, it feels very Our Town. Another time. Mm -hmm. Well, I do. It's a beautifully devastating play. But I also, you know, I I got to do the play. So I think that's why. Like, I feel invested Mm -hmm. in it. Were you Emily? Actually, I was the stage manager. Oh. oh. Have I never told you about this production? It was the no, first I thing so. I did in New York when I was 15. Yeah, when you were young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I took a month I took a month out of high school to come live here. Oh my god. Because we got we did it off Broadway at the Connolly Theater. And that's it amazing. was with Transport Group and Jack ah, Cummings. Ah, that's right. Yeah. He had this gorgeous insight where I played the stage manager at you know, as a 15 year old girl it's normally played by an, an older mm-hmm. a much older man right and George and Emily were played by actors in their 60s oh, and it wow. was gorgeous I think so much more heartbreaking and devastating yeah. to see the roles the ages reversed like that whoo it was amazing so anyway yes I have like a deep uh, connection connection to that play yeah but this book really did remind me of that and I pulled a quote one of the quotes from our town that really resonated with me to Midnight Library it was a quote by the stage manager mm-hmm. and he says or she says <laughs> yeah there we go yeah. they say mm-hmm. they say <laughs> we all know that something is eternal and it ain't houses and it ain't names and it ain't earth and it ain't even the stars Everybody knows in their bones that something is eternal, and that something has to do with human beings. All the greatest people ever lived have been telling us that for 5,000 years, and yet you'd be surprised how people are always losing hold of it. Mm. There's something way down deep that's eternal about every human being. Mm. And that, Mm. I really, like, wondered if when Matt was writing this, he was actually thinking about any of that because Mm. um I think that may be kind of like the heart of this book is the that eternal aspect of human beings and how your soul is always there Mm. and there's another quote in our town that also I thought tied so beautifully into this book is so every time Nora chooses to go back to her past by picking a moment in time in which she would have chosen differently, it reminds me of when Emily asks if she can go back to her old life once she's died and spend one last day with her loved ones. And the stage oh, yeah. manager tells her, 
choose the least important day in your life. It will be important enough. And she goes back to her the day of her 13th birthday. Oh, anyway. (sighs) So this is, this goes right into my question for both of you. If either of you could go back in time and relive any day of your lives, what would it be? And would you try to do anything differently in that day if it wouldn't have an effect on the rest of your life? Or would you just relive Mm. it exactly as it was? Oh, wow. Oh, that moment in the play always puts a knot in my throat. It's so sad. It's like so, so sad. But that's what's so funny is it's so sad, but it's supposed to be a joyous day. Right. Right. Like nothing sad happens on the day. But just that but it's just that she feels for being with the people she loves who, Ooh. I mean, there is just no bridging that gap. It is gone. I remember feeling that really strongly <laughs> when my great grandma died. Mm. And I remember I was just like staring at her bed and just thinking like, but she was just here. And like my mind could not make sense of the fact that like, oh. but where did she go? Like she was just like, how do I rewind back to when she was just right here? And like... Mm. My brain just could not, for like several minutes, make sense of the fact that she was never Mm. coming back. It's madness. Mm. So, Mm. in answer to your question, I think that I would relive a normal day from my childhood, just a like slice of life day. We used to spend tons of time in my great-grandma's house. It was just kind of the dumping ground for all the cousins. So I would go back to one of those days, but I wouldn't run around outside with all of my hooligan cousins. I would sit with my grandma at her kitchen table and I would just ask her all the questions because she was such an amazing person. She lived such a humble life. She raised so many kids, all of them not even hers, by herself, Mm. like 12 kids by herself in a in a one-bedroom house she always had multiple jobs and I like never heard this woman complain not once ever she was so unhealthy in her old age and I just never heard her she was just the strongest fucking person Mm -hmm. and I feel like I don't know that I feel like there are so many questions that I Mm -hmm. wish that I had had the sense to Mm -hmm. ask yeah. Instead of running around like <laughs> playing tag mm-hmm. with my cousins. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's like when you in retrospect, when you look back at those days that might be insignificant and you now see them as such an opportunity to learn more. And you kind mm. of there there's where the regret comes in because you wish yeah. you would have had the, the wherewithal of maybe having asked to gotten right. to have gotten to know more. But you were living yeah. in the present because I think kids do live in the present and you right, just wanted right. to have fun and, and be free. And you don't know. Yeah. Exactly. You don't yeah. know. I think I'm going to answer your question a little bit differently because my wedding day wasn't, of course, the least important day. But I would have wanted to have been a lot more present that day. Because now looking back, similarly to you, Emma, because you've brought this. No, I'm uh, smiling so big right now. Yeah, because I was that. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Because I, that was kind of the last day that my entire family from both sides and also Andrew's family, that everybody was fine. 
after that day, Aww. things started happening. Like my grandmother got sick. That led yeah. into what happened between the falling out of my fa- of my mom's side of the family. My grandfather was still very much lucid. Now he's like dealing with Alzheimer's Aww. and dementia. My other grandmother moved to Columbia and then came back. So like the elderly ones of the family, they kind of, it was kind of like their last hurrah in a way. Aww. And I was so concerned about everybody's well-being, but that kind of detached me from what was actually happening. And there were so many beautiful things that were happening all around me that I wasn't fully invested in what was going on. And it just went by so quickly. Yeah. And I can look at the videos and, and the photos. And yes, like I can remember feeling how I felt and this this sense of elation and just how, you know, that yeah. I was finally marrying the man that I so love. But if I could just go back and actually feel it all the way, that would have been something that, you know, I would have take I mm. wouldn't have taken it for granted because I think that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel that Ooh. hard, Mariana. <laughs> Yeah, I I actually almost said the exact same thing as my answer. <laughs> um because I I feel that uh but I wanted to do something that was like a little less important than that day because that just feels too heavy. Sure. So the one that I thought back was thought back to was not an important day, but was one of the best days. It was actually, it was being at the Canal Bar in Gowanus, Brooklyn, when the Cubs won the World Series. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's not anything important. It just, but it was because of what it meant to my dad Mm. and because how my entire life, just hearing him always talk about the Cubs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The fact that it actually happened and in his lifetime was just so fucking cool and it happened in such an epic way and it was just so joyous like there there was just joy and it came out of surprise you know and I think that I would just love to redo that just to feel that again but if I could do it differently, I would love to have my dad there too so oh, that yeah. I could be Share with that. him for that. I mean, I called him when it happened, right. but I I wish that I could have been there with him for the celebration. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, not important, but just a day that I would love to, just a feeling I want the back. feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. While we're sipping on this death in the afternoon, this beautiful green drink. Oh, okay. I'm curious about the significance of the color green. Why are all of her books and Mrs. Elm's shirt green? I'm sure that has a meaning, but I actually haven't. Well, tell us, Brandy, since your favorite color is green, what does green mean? The only thing I I immediately thought was, like, green is the color of life. Mm -hmm. Like, plants are green, trees are green. Uh Uh-huh. You know, all the different shades of green. Okay. That's the only thing thing I came up with. I have a question. Shoot. So, obviously, (laughs) it was the first thing I thought of as I was reading this. Like, obviously, I think we're all really happy with the lives we've made for ourselves. 
But I kept wondering, like, do you ladies have a fork in the road moment in your lives where a decision that you made might have led you down another path that you're curious about? And what do you imagine that that life could have been like? You know, I don't really, if I'm being honest, I don't have a great answer to this. Really? Unless I just haven't put enough thought into it. But when I was really, truly trying to think about fork in the road moments. Yeah. I don't know that I've had that I can think of a fork in the road moment for you. You weren't sure you were going to go to Italy. Well, that's the answer I came up with. Okay, great. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. That was a huge fork in the road for you. That was a huge one that had a huge outcome. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because prior to that, you know, I've had other, like, choices or decisions I've had to make, but they didn't didn't really amount to anything major enough for this, you know. Or, you know, I thought about if I had decided to not come to New York after college and if I had stayed in Philly that would have been a very different life oh yeah but it also wasn't really a major fork in the road because I always knew I was going to come here so Uh another example that wasn't really a a good example of a fork in the road was where to go to college because I only got into one so that would have been a huge choice but so yeah really the only one that I think was a, a a major choice that had a huge outcome was me choosing to go to Rajo yeah. this third and final time because I almost didn't go. Yeah. And, and I, that would have been, that was like the last time if, well, obviously you did go, but like this was going to be the last, if yeah. you hadn't gone, you were not going to go again. Right. I so been, it was either this time or not so again. So you might never have met Ricardo. You probably no. would never have no. met Ricardo. Crazy. And I remember sitting with you at a happy hour and you're like, yeah. I don't know if I really want to go. I know. I remember. I don't want to be missing out on what's happening here and right. moving my career forward and, right. you know, spending three months somewhere. Yeah. Performing, but losing time here, precious time here. And look what Crazy. that precious time. Isn't yeah. that wild? So Love thank God I went. Yeah. yeah. You made the right decision. I did. It was destiny. <laughs> Thank goodness some some little bird was like, just fucking go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Your gut. Yeah. Your gut knew. Yeah. I'm going to preface this by saying that there was something that happened before I had to make the decision, which I brought it up already on the podcast, but I think it was the biggest fork in the road, which would have led me down a completely different path in my life. So when I was a senior at Um, New World School of the Arts, I was cast as a lead in a Limon piece. It was based of Limon style dance. And it was created by our dean of the dance department, Dean Lewis. And the piece started off with the dancer basically doing a monologue. I had never done a monologue before because at that point I wasn't really acting. And so he decided to have me and my understudies get some coaching from the dean of the theater department. We did one rehearsal with this guy and he later told me, why didn't you audition for the theater department? Why weren't you a theater major instead of a dance major? And I was like, oh, wow. I I just dance was always my life. This is what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do. And then I heard from my my friends who were in the theater department because I usually was for the most part, I had more actor friends than dancer friends, or I was closer to the actors than dancers, interestingly enough. And they were all saying how much he was raving about me and that he was like, you were 
this gem that didn't he didn't know existed i'm like yeah but now it's like my senior year it's spring like (laughs) forget it right oh my god right but then that leads me to then the night before having to send in my acceptance letter to either nyu tish or to fordham which was really kind of like a fork in the road for me yeah i mean both amazing schools both incredible dance programs just very a very different structure and the reason why I went with Fordham was because, yes, I I got a full ride there. Yes, money was a big issue, but also because it was a, a smaller school and my parents felt that I would have mm. a more, like, there would be more control as opposed yeah. to Tish. I would be in the middle of New York on my own. I mean, that right. was kind of like their mentality. Like Brandy. Like Brandy, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but thinking back, if I would have gone to Tish, I always wonder about this. Would I have had the same body issues? Would I have been so obsessed with making it into a professional dance company? Because Tish was, there was more more of a sense of a, like a downtown concert dance aspect as opposed to concert dance being like a ballerina or being in a modern dance company. Mm-hmm. Like there was like more, more flex- experimental. Correct. Mm-hmm. I see. So okay. I wonder if I would have experienced more of life uh. outside of the university walls, which might have led me to then start acting earlier, which then would have that's interesting completely changed the path that I took. Would I have ever had the injuries that I ended up having? Would I have ever danced right. with the dance company that I was with? Would my goals have been completely different? Would I have ever met like there? All these right, which you have ever met. There's so many what ifs. So many. And I wonder about that all the time because it was literally until the last minute that I decided, okay, with my parents, this is the best choice for for me overall. Wow. Right. But it could have been a completely different life. And that's why I said at the beginning of this episode, like if at this point in time, if I was given the opportunity, I would have seen it play out, but ultimately probably I would have been disappointed. As Nora has like shown us with right. her life with David. Have you guys ever seen the movie Sliding Doors? Ah, I haven't. But re- when sliding I was describing doors. this book to Ricardo, he was like, oh, like Sliding Doors. Yeah. So it's a Gwyneth Paltrow movie from like, I'm wanting to say the 90s. Wait, yes, I did see that. Yeah. So what basically there's a big moment that happens in her life. And in the movie, her life kind of splits into two paths. So you see... What happened to her if she had taken this path? And then you see what happened to her if she had taken this path. Two very different paths. I really want to see this movie. Well, I'm going to spoil it for you because it's relevant. (laughs) Okay. But in the end, she ends up in the exact same place. She gets (laughs) hit by a car and she dies in both scenarios. Like, no matter which path she took, her life was going in the same direction. Um, so I always kind of think about that when I'm having thoughts like this, because my my thought is always like if I hadn't come to NYU, if I hadn't, my parents didn't want me to come here, mm. I would have gone to UT at Austin. I would have majored in something else, not theater. And I would have probably ended up like being trying to be a university teacher or something. I think I probably would have majored in oh. Latino studies mm. and I would have tried to oh, teach wow. at a university. But then I always think to myself, there's no fucking way that I wouldn't have still somehow at some point gotten tired of that and still ended and up found here, your way here doing exactly what I'm doing, possibly in the exact same spot that I'm in right now. Like I kind of, 
I don't want to say it's faded. I don't like the idea of like destiny, but I do kind of think like your life has a path. And Mm -hmm. I do, I think if you get out of your own way, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's going to take you where it's going. The train Mm -hmm. is on the tracks. Mm -hmm. That is a fun movie though. If you ever get a chance, it's, it's cute. I don't know. (laughs) It's a fun, it's a fun rom-com movie. Well, I need to see it anyway. Yeah. But you're so right because it's always you. No matter what path you choose, it's you who's doing right. it. Uh-huh. Right. So you're going to inevitably make different choices at a certain point, but they're, it's you. It's, it's your personality. It's how you think. Right. And you know what makes the most sense about that, too, is like the question then becomes, are you leading from a place, uh, are you leading yourself from a place of curiosity and being open to the world, in which case you're going to find your track? Or are you coming from a place of fear and being shut down, in which case you're getting in your own way. Right, of and finding success faster. Exactly, mm-hmm. and veering yourself mm-hmm. off of your track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. This is kind of a segue, because Mrs. <laughs> Elms <laughs> talks to Nora a lot, or tells Nora a lot about how Nora is really fearing life and how fear is really getting in her own way yeah. or oh, has yeah, gotten yeah. in her way in the past. But I'm going to do things a little differently with my question because in oh, the okay. words of Mrs. Elm, as she describes to Nora what the Midnight Library is all about, she asked her a question and I'm going to use her words to ask you guys her question in her own words. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? Hmm... We've talked about regrets on we previous have. episodes. Yeah. And I mentioned that I don't really believe in regrets and I don't really have many uh, because all of the things that I've done in the past that were mistakes I learned from. Right. But I did have the regret of that I would have kept dancing. Mm. Oh, yeah. And that when you brought up this question, that's that's still there. That's still like there. I, I really wish I had... I really wish I had kept dancing. And again, like I, yes, I can go back to that and do it. But I think that kind of changed my uh, internal makeup Mm. when I stopped doing that. Mm. It kind of took something away. And so I'm curious how I would be out in the world if I still had that big part of me that brought me so much joy. And why do you think you can't get that back? I can. It's just now it now it's fear. <laughs> uh, okay. It's purely fear. Okay. Yeah. So I need to get over that. Yeah. At only least you know can. That. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was my wedding, similarly to you. It was it was the whole day of the wedding, just wanting to be more in the moment. And basically everything you said, not uh, being so strict about the timeline and thinking about what was coming next, but really just being there. But mo- specifically, too, I think the whole start of the day. So really, I think what that is, is I regret blacking out the night before my wedding. Oh. <laughs> because it kind of started the day not in a... Pl- I'm just so embarrassing. It's like, Emma, you fucking asshole. No, we How could did you do it that? to you. 
It's my fault. <laughs> we did. I it to you. never thought that that would be me. I never thought that I would be that bride. And here we are. But Emma, can I say something real quick though? <laughs> the reason that I think you got so drunk though, I don't know if you remember this, but you <laughs> wanted to stay there to keep dancing. You wanted to dance. And well, that's why you yeah. stayed at that place so long. I do remember that. You. Y'all wouldn't let me go to the gay bar because I was so <laughs> drunk that you said you're not going anywhere else. So that's also where that turned. And I remember that. But And the car bombs. That, oh, oh right. fucking sake bombs. Oh, sake that bombs. Was fully that's... your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I had a lot of fun, but... I wish that next morning I had been able to wake up with a clear mind and maybe meditated or done Mm, yoga. A little more intention. Intentional and spiritual and started the day from a place, from that place. And I think maybe that could have colored the rest of the day differently. So... Well, let me just say, though, (laughs) that night before was so fun yeah and it, it was. was so funny to see you like that like I'd never seen you like that before and you were so uninhibited and you were clearly just coming from a place of like I want to have a fucking you were good time tonight I'm getting yourself. married tomorrow yes. yeah so from my perspective that was an awesome night and it was for me too yeah, yeah. Okay, and great. don't worry you weren't the only one who blacked out I did too exactly. so it's we were all trashed I mean <laughs> Oh, Mariana got accused of wedding. Yeah, the band exactly. Because <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> I either woke up in a pile of sweat or she because there was something wet the bed. Like, no, I did not. Oh, something was leaking. Full disclaimer: she did not wet the bed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Unforgettable. <laughs> Well, similar to Emma, yes, I I think everything's a learning experience. So yeah. I try really hard not to regret things because I learned from those things. And I don't know who I would be if I hadn't learned those mm-hmm. things. You know, who knows what mistakes I'd make now if I hadn't learned the things that I needed to learn earlier. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I will say that I regret is that I don't think I've always been the kindest person to people. Not because I'm not a kind person, but just because I'm so goal-oriented that I think sometimes I'm less aware of other people's feelings because I'm I'm so eye on the prize that, like, I'm here in my little bubble Mm -hmm. looking at my goal and I ignore things that I shouldn't be ignoring and it comes off as really bitchy probably mm. a lot of the time which is so funny because I have never seen you as anything but kind and unbitchy so if you're referring to like time before we knew you I can't speak to that but since I've known you you have been so kind to everyone you meet I think it's mostly been like day job day jobs that I hated Oh, well, that's different. Yeah, Yeah, where like, I don't want to be here. This is taking away from this Mm -hmm. is time I could be spending on the thing I want to do. And all of this shit is in my way right now. And I'm going to be here for nine hours. 
Yeah, wasting yeah, okay. my time well, doing it. Yeah. Like that mentality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I do have to say though, because I do agree with Emma that you've only shown us kindness. But when I first met you, and I've told you this, oh, no. you came across to me as more intimidating. Like I was intimidated by you, but it oh, wasn't. Wait, me too. Yeah, it wasn't a sense of like you being bitchy towards me. I was just intimidated right. by you. Like I didn't know how I would be able to like really bond with you. Because Wait, I was intimidated. I forgot about that. But I hear this all the time. And the thing that the thing that's a recurring theme that I hear from people is that I come off like an ice queen. Well, not that much. Like I'm cold. And so people, I, you know what I mean? Like I don't, mm. people don't always say it's an intimidation thing. Mm. They'll often say something similar to what you're saying, but they, they use the words like you're cold. cold. Mm. And I think that comes from because like I'm yeah, here you, you have your... with my goggles on right. and I'm like just here and I don't take in everything. And so it comes off like cold or standoffish mm. or something. But it's funny that that's something that you wish you could erase because sometimes I wish I had more of right. that because sometimes me caring too much yep. gets in the way of what I want to yep. do See. or mm. I'll say yes or say no to things because of my concern for others, others. as so opposed to your funny. needs yeah mm-hmm. so we are having a midnight library moment right now <laughs> where we are realizing yep. the grass is not greener on, on that the other side, side. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, oh, maybe that's why the books are green, green. oh the grass is not greener the grass is maybe not greener. Interesting. And regrets are gray. <laughs> regrets are gray. My regret book would not be gray. What would your regret book be? <laughs> when I saw color. Was gray, I was like, that is wrong. <laughs> My regret book would be bright red. Oh, like the same color. Mine too. It would? I think so. Like the same color that your elementary school teacher used to grade your papers with. You know what I mean? And she would be like, wrong. And like a big X. Yeah. Yeah, like fire and envy. See, I would say mine would be black. (laughs) For some reason, it would be black. Yeah. That's a classy regret book. Well. (laughs) Her little black book is is very different than our little black book. That's a well-dressed regret book. (laughs) Hey, and black is slimming, yeah. so it's a way of making your regrets. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. What about you, Mariana? You haven't answered your question. Uh, I mean I'm totally gonna change my answer because now hearing from both of you, I think my biggest regret and something that I wish that I could change, and I'm starting to change that now is not being so overly consumed about how others see me. Mm. And I and it's been kind of something that I, I really want to keep at the forefront when my baby girl arrives because it's, yeah. it's definitely been very, very, very debilitating. And that's a huge regret mm. that I have in my life. Because looking back, a lot of the choices that I've made or I haven't made have been based on how others will perceive me after the fact. Mm. So the consequences are more reliant on how it's going to be perceived as opposed to how it's mm. really going to affect me in the long run. Right. Mm-hmm. Or what makes you happy. Yeah. 
and or what you want and nobody yeah. really or fucking yeah, cares like you like right now I you ju- what you said to us brandy and what you were regretting it's something like we saw you completely differently you see it differently and so why why even bother wasting time on that because it's it is losing precious time and what i love about yeah. this book in particularly is when mrs elm says that there is no notion of past in the midnight library it's only about yeah. the consequences. Like you can't really necessarily go to the past. It's really the outcome of the choice that you've made. Right. So I feel like that's kind of like I how I need to live my life. Like forget about what happened. It's just like moving forward right. and thinking about it right. differently. Do you feel, I'm curious, do you feel like that concern for what other people think has changed at all through your pregnancy? Yeah, I'm more at peace. Like there's Mm, definitely less of this edge that I used to carry around with me or Mm. wasting time thinking of all those little things because I don't want to cause extra stress to my baby right now. Mm. And maybe also because this is maybe the first time that you're realizing that there are just so much bigger, more important things in life than that. Yeah. Like, this is something that really matters. Right. Yeah. And fuck all the other trivial stuff. And also, interestingly, maybe for the first time in your life, taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. means taking care of your baby. Mm -hmm. And those two things are inextricably linked. They are. Mm -hmm. So you have to. I don't have a choice. Do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have an option. Mm -hmm. Oh. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah, that is really beautiful. <laughs> it's heavy. <laughs> Literally, Literally, too. <laughs> really Your question reminds me of another theme that I was picking up that I bet you did, too. The whole metaphor of the chess game, how you pick your moves. Yeah, so far in advance. Well, there, Mrs. Elm is playing chess in the book. So, she, you know, you're literally picking the moves, yes, for your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think about that. I real, you know, I was thinking how I, I think I've told you before, I love Spider Solitaire. And when I play Spider Solitaire, if I, because I do it on the computer, so you can hit undo and you can go back oh, and reverse yeah. things that you did. And I stopped doing that. So now when I play, I don't let myself undo and go back. And whatever (laughs) choice I made, even if it means I lose the game, I keep going. But I keep playing until I win. Oh, wow. So (laughs) it's that's a funny metaphor, too. Like, I won't go back and fix things, but I'm going to keep going until it's good. Mm. But at a certain point, I don't know if Spider Solitaire is different. At a certain point... Like, you can't always win, can you? No, I lose a lot of times. But if I lose a game, then I start a new one. Oh, and I play you a new saying, game you will until just I win. keep going. Oh, wow. You need that satisfying ending. And also that wow. there's the fighter in you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's... We're just really fucking stubborn. <laughs> Hey, I've seen the bright the side, the green thing. side. Those are the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very true. No difference there. You see it as stubborn. I see it as um, a fighter. <laughs> Tenacious. Tenacious. Yeah. Oh, that's a good word. Yeah. I'm so curious. Do you know, obviously, we've seen her first venture into 
the first alternate life, which did not go well. Mm-hmm. She had chosen to, um, I guess, marry Dan, the guy that she had left. And she sees like all of these problems that she had known in her real life right. that continue to crop up through this alternate life. It feels weird calling it an alternate life because it is an actual mm-hmm. life. It's just not her mm-hmm. life. But so when we ended these chapters this week, we find out that she's going to go to a life where she did go to Australia with her friend Mm -hmm. who it seems like she really misses. And I'm curious, did you guys have any thoughts or ideas about what that life might look like or how that life potentially turns out? Does she come back? Does she stay? I'm assuming... (laughs) That it's also going to lead into dis- lead into disappointment. That she's mm. going to be disappointment at the end of that trip, or maybe just in the friendship with Izzy. Maybe she yeah. had this like idea that they were much closer than they actually were, and they never really had those deep conversations where they really knew each other. Mm. So she might find herself alone, which was a fear of hers but it's also because she might have given into a relationship that wasn't really there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't put any thought into it because I just want to be surprised, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to end up. I don't think she's going to stay there, and I I also don't think it's going to look great with Izzy. Yeah. So it'll be another thing that she can cross off saying, well, what if? Do either of you have a sense of what the choice that she might have made? Do either of you have a sense of what the quote unquote right path is? Like the path that she will choose looks like. Like the regret that she could undo that would lead to her happy life. I have a sense it's either going to end up with her music because that seems to be one thing that did bring her a lot of happiness. Yeah. But it just might be different in how that manifests. So maybe it's not with the band, but she's making music. Oh, interesting. Mm. And I also wonder if some of it has to do with how she dealt with her, both of her parents' deaths. Yeah. Because that's been so glossed over now. But right. knowing that the book starts with finding out that her dad died... Yeah. I feel like that might be the beginning of where things really mm-hmm. started to unspiral. Yeah. And that's also where Mrs. Elm was. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that Mrs. Yeah. Elm is now in her midnight library. That's a good call. Yeah, I agree with that. Because the death of her father at such a young age was such a traumatic experience. And it really, th- that experience that she had with her father and losing her father at such a de- young age really influenced how her what path her life took because I think she could never let go of losing someone that she was so close to and the way she lost him yeah and I think that's also what happened with her mom because her mom was supposed to be a part Mm. of her wedding and that's what she was holding on to and then her mom passed and two days before having the wedding to Dan which of course, we now see that it wouldn't have been a good thing anyway, but that's why she didn't do what she did. So I do agree with Emma that music has a big yeah, component in probably the life that she's going to choose if she keeps on living. But I also think that she will have the realization that her current life isn't as bad as she thinks it is and that she ultimately mm. does have the choices 
to change her life or to see things from a different perspective, not seeing things as a, a black hole, but seeing right. things as there's 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 light at the end of the tunnel, like I said at the beginning of this episode. Right. She just has to get over that fear to be able to live it out. Mm. Yeah, I think there's also something to that cheesy. There's some cheesy saying that's. Well, I won't even go into the cheesy <laughs> saying, but there's the like, there's that dodged a bullet thing. You know what I mean? Where I mm-hmm. think she she thinks that her mom's death derailed her marriage to Dan. But actually, in a weird and maybe this is a horrible way to put it way, but in a weird way, her mom's death saved yeah. her yeah. from that marriage yeah. to Dan. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are other things in her life that she is perceiving negatively that are actually not negatives. They're positive. You're right. And even with her swimming, because yeah. she wasn't, her dad really wanted her to swim. And she stopped, I believe she stopped swimming after her dad died because she was right. even going to become an Olympian. But then she found music. Right. right. And who knows what we'll find out. I'm mm-hmm. sure that would have led to. Right. And also finding out that her cat would have died anyway, that it wasn't her oh, fault. Oh, I know. And yeah. then that was hit also by a just car. Written, yeah. It was yeah, inevitable. Like he would have died. Yeah. 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 That's true. I want to just reference that beautiful and sad Sylvia Plath quote mm-hmm. at the epigraph of the book. Oh, yes. I can never be all the people I want and live all the lives I want. I can never train myself in all the skills I want. And why do I want? I want to live and feel all the shades, tones, and variations of mental and physical experience possible in my life. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's interesting because, you know, Sylvia Plath committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she actually, this I didn't know or I didn't remember, she attempted twice before she was successful. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that is maybe what instigated this story for our protagonist committing suicide that she has all she feels all of those heavy feelings like Sylvia Plath but then maybe it's not going to be successful mm-hmm. mm. yeah yeah and she's seen now that she's seen the midnight library that will bring her back and maybe she won't attempt it again right right I mean, I also did wonder, though, like, could she possibly explore all of these lives and still decide she doesn't want to go back? Mm-hmm. I guess that would be a pretty grim ending, but... But it is possible. That Sylvia Plath mm-hmm. quote did kind of make me think of that. I also, when I read that quote, thought of us as actors, because I do feel like there's yeah. some piece of us as actors that has that sense of, a like, I could be... I could be so many things. I could live so many different lives. And in a sense, that's like what we get to do. Mm-hmm. We get to live all these different possibilities. That's pretty cool. And also from a place of exploring that mentally, I think is mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what's so great about what, what we, do, we do is that we do yeah. get to tap into so many different mentalities of, of humanity psychology. emotions yeah. psychology mm-hmm. yeah yeah that to me is the best part yeah agreed oh I'm so glad you brought up that yeah. quote I definitely clocked right. it when we read it but then I kind of forgot about me it too I know it's right there at the beginning I also didn't Sylvia Plath am I wrong or was she not well known until after her death 
I think you might be right. Mm, yeah, you might be right. I don't remember. Which I haven't seen the movie thing. The Hours in a long uh, time. <laughs> oh, in a, in a long time. But you've seen it. You've seen this yes. one. Okay. Okay. I've actually seen it twice. Okay. 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 Don't come for me. <laughs> yeah, because that, that one. one. I, love I was that. ready when you said it. I was like, what? Yeah. No, no. That soundtrack <laughs> is still one of my oh, favorite I, soundtracks. I know. Yep. Beautiful. 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 But see, so, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. But one thing, another thing that really did fascinate me is the way that Mrs. Elm used want the word lack for want instead of wanting like I think that's a very interesting way of seeing what you want is actually what you're lacking yes yeah which kind of threw me for a loop I was like oh fuck yeah yeah I actually and when I read that I remembered taking a class once and I can't remember the class now of course but the instructor of that class said you know, anytime you're feeling down on yourself or you're feeling angry with yourself or irritable or whatever, just stop and ask yourself, what am I lacking right now? <laughs> In this moment right now, what am I lacking? And they said, you'll realize it's not often anything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're thirsty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're tired. And if you take or you're cold or something, but if you take care of the right in this moment, what mm-hmm. am I lacking? You'll find it's very simple and you can easily take, take care, care of it of in it. the moment. Hmm. Oh, there was a whole thing I wanted to say in my answering question that I completely forgot to say. I'll say it, and then if you guys are like, this is so not important, it wouldn't matter. But when, okay. when I was talking about the fork in the road and how that led to such a big decision, like to me meeting Ricardo. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because, yes, I did meet Ricardo because I made the choice to go to Italy, But if he hadn't swiped right on Tinder, I wouldn't have. So he also made a choice that aligned with that. So sometimes it's not as simple as just saying, oh, I I wouldn't have met him because I could have gone to Italy and still not met him if he hadn't But would you have run into him at a bar or something? Mm -hmm. Because you did run into him the the next night. That's right, because you did run into him. Yeah. Eventually. You already kind of knew each other, but yeah. but I guess that 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 all ties in to say that there are so many variables that yeah. lead to something happening that right. it's hard to just say, well, if I hadn't done this, That's this wouldn't true. have happened, or if I had done this, this would have happened, because there are so many other things that could have intercepted. Right, right. and but that's why this this book is really emphasizing the whole idea of the consequences of once the choice is made, right. it's about the consequence, like what comes out of it. So because you chose that, that led one thing into another. But if you hadn't chosen that originally, none of that would have happened. Right. Then none of it would have even been an option. And I think in this first encounter with Dan in this new life, I think she's saying, well, even if I had chosen this, he's still a mean Mm -hmm. alcoholic. Like that part was not going to be different. He's still mean and he's still an alcoholic. She had to dim her light to make him succeed Mm. and I thought it was really interesting that she had kind of rewritten history and forgotten that she had forgotten that she gave up music because he didn't he wasn't that into it and she remembers it in this moment which I wonder how many more little moments like that we're gonna see yeah and um Thomas Hobbes was referenced saying that you can't really trust one's memory yes I loved that memory is imagination 
Yeah. Which yeah. also blows my mind because it's so true. Yeah. Well, it's exactly what you were just saying too, though, about your experience where you think people are looking at you a certain way and they're, and not, they're not. That's your brain. Yeah. That's in your yeah. mind. That's imagination. That's all my manifestation mm-hmm. of what's going on, but it's not necessarily right. what's but it's not actuality. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we final questioning it? I think, I think so. so. Oh, shit. <laughs> Who's got it? I got it. Yeah. All right. Mrs. Elm quotes, it's hard to predict, isn't it? The things that will make us happy. Hmm. So I want to ask you two, what are three really weird things that make you happy? <laughs> things that we wouldn't necessarily predict. <sighs> Well, see, it's really hard when you say that you guys wouldn't predict because I feel like you know know each other well. All right, I'll try. I'll try. When I see a woman wearing red lipstick, it really makes me really happy because every time I see it, I just know that she's like really feeling herself today. Like it almost makes me feel good because I'm like, to put on red lipstick, you have to like be fucking like feeling yourself today. (laughs) And so I like love seeing that. You ladies probably definitely don't think this of me, but I love seeing those little kid chain gangs, you know, like when they're in um, daycare <gasps> oh! and they're all walking down You've the street holding on to I the rope. I would never have guessed that No, I would have never guessed that. It just, I just, I can't stop staring Aww. at them. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and the last one is kind of gross, but I do love it and it does make me so happy. I love cleaning my sinuses with my neti pot. Oh. It's so gross and so satisfying. Yeah. And it just makes my day so much better when I know that I've decided to do that today. <laughs> I Those might do it. Those are fantastic. <laughs> I would have never, yeah, guessed uh, any of those. Those are fantastic. Yeah. Huh, mine are boring. Um, well. Don't prejudge. Okay, don't prejudge. See? Okay, no. Mm-hmm. I, the happiest time of the day for me, not knowing what to expect, not knowing what's going to happen later on in the day, but waking up in the morning, not brushing my teeth, and going and eating something sweet. It's like, I love it. I actually would never have guessed that of you. What's your go-to sweet? So any, I always have like a bag of chocolate or just something around. So I like will have like the caramel filled um, Hershey's Kisses or... The, oh my God, the Dove. The Ghirardelli squares. Or the Ghirardelli oh, squares. Oh, I love those. So that oh, for me, it's I like, I look forward to that in the morning. I just wake up and it's just like, okay, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and then I have my <laughs> breakfast. But that yeah. makes me really, really happy. The first time I use a new mascara, I guess, bottle. Like That's the f- a good first one. Time it I is a put, good one. It's never as good no, as that first time. No, it's never as good. Yep. You're so right. So I feel mm-hmm. like I don't need to put any other, like any additional makeup on. It's just I my eyelashes feel very flirty and fun. <laughs> and walking around my neighborhood by myself. Aww. I can walk the same street a million times, but there's something about me either listening to music or not, or just listening to the car horns or just people around having conversations, just taking it all in. I really enjoy by myself. Oh, I love that. 
I do love that. Yeah. See, these are good answers. Okay. <laughs> Great. My first one is gross, but I love yeah. peeling sunburn skin. No, no. I enjoy that too. And no. if I can I get that. it off in like one big <gasps> no! sheet, it feels so good. And I bet you do that all the time because you get been some get oh sunburn God. quite a bit. I have been very good about um, sunscreen lately good. and being out of the sun. So I haven't had a sunburn in a okay. while, which I'm proud of. But if Ricardo gets it, I'm like, let me get that skin. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he's good with this this habit. He's okay with this behavior. Actually, no. He doesn't love it. Okay, yeah. But I force him. But you force him to do it. Mm. Oh, my God. I love the smell of laundromats oh. and blown out matches. Oh. oh, blown out matches I'd get. Those two smells, I just like soak them in. Laundromats baffles me. Oh, really? man. I, like, oh, I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> like if I walk past a laundromat, I can smell the vents. Mm. I'll stop and I'll stay. Oh. Wow. All right. And my last one is not wearing a bra. Uh, I okay. get really happy just letting them out. Wow. All right. Free ballin'. Not really. Free boobin'. <laughs> Free boobin'. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss on an episode, shoot us an email at arethesebooksdrunk at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener question segment. Yes, listeners, we're always so excited to hear from you all. If it's a comment yeah. or a review, we would love to know what you think of our discussions. We want to involve you, so keep them coming. And Amy at Partially Booked on Insta, thank you for letting us know you tuned in last week. Let us know what you thought of our bonus episode. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, Partially Booked. What a cute cute Insta handle. Next week, we'll be reading to the end of the chapter entitled Expectation. Or page 143 in the hard copy of the book. Stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out next week's cocktail and mocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along. You tell with them. Because <laughs> it's always happy, happy hour. Hour. Here. And we're free balling. Oh, yeah. Free boobin'. <laughs> Why not do both? I'll be the free ball. She'll be the free boob. Whatever. <laughs> oh, ciao, Jesus. Bye.